Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And, to get, and today, again, we're broadcasting from magnificent Los Angeles, where the weather is absolutely beautiful. Now, this program's all about helping entrepreneurs and everyone in business and giving you advice that hopefully will enable you to be more successful. And we've been bringing you information great advice and fantastic interviews now. We're in our fourth year and uh, we're very proud of that and we hope that it's helping you to maximize your own success. Now this show is all about saluting entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurs. There's been a series in Los Angeles uh, in the mornings about kids, four and five and six and seven, who are um, using YouTube to make one and a half to two million dollars a year just demonstrating toys. There was one this morning, a kid of five who made 1.6 million dollars just sitting around streaming himself playing with toys and uh, it's incredible. We love it. So I just want to talk to you about a guy who arrived in the U.S., you know, one of the things that really pisses me off is people who complain about how bloody hard it is and how life's a bitch to them. And, you know, if it hadn't have been for the weather, they would have been successful. Or if they hadn't have had, you know, a toe half an inch shorter on their right foot, they would have been successful. Or any bloody excuse they can come up with apart from the fact that they're fucking useless. Um, so I love talking about people who are successful and who have, you know, show us all how it's done. So this show... This is story is about a guy who arrived in the U.S. with $26, 26 lousy, miserable dollars. Ten years later, couldn't speak English. So arrived with $26, couldn't speak English. Ten years later, sold a startup for half a billion and is now working on his next half billion dollar startup, which is going brilliantly. Christian Guyogi. I may have said that correctly. I may not have. Arrived from Romania in uh, mid 1900s, speaking no English, and as I mentioned, having 26 bucks. He lived in a youth, youth hostel, and he drove a car for a living. Today, he's working on his fourth successful startups, having sold all of the others, including his last one, Outlook Soft, to SAP for about 500 million. In Romania, he used to sell records, you know, just records, and he taught himself a little bit of English by listening to Pink Floyd. (laughs) So you haven't exactly got this huge, wide vocabulary. When he sold enough records, he bought himself a Commodore 64 knockoff PC, which cost the equivalent of one year's wages. He's taught himself to code by hacking into the video games on his old Commodore. Well, now after arriving in the US, he took a job as a limo driver and met a man named Andrew Saxe. 
during the ride, Saxe learned about Gyorgi, his interest in computers, and told him to come by his office. Saxe ran a computer software consulting company. He hired Gyorgi, and the two built a company together. That company was one of the earliest that did big data. They sold it to Experian, and Gyorgi found himself CTO for Experian for a few years. He launched a second startup, Tian, merged it with a company called Outlook Soft, which did big data, known as business analytics. And it was part of a uh, crop of business analytics companies, bearing in mind this is around about 2000 or earlier. And uh, Oracle bought, bought Hyperion, IBM bought Cognos, and SAP bought Outlook Soft for half a billion dollars. He'd only been here five minutes, couldn't speak English. <laughs> or he could speak Pink Floyd English. As a result, he found himself CTO for SAP for a couple of years. About four years ago, the bug to start a new, could create a new startup hit again, and Tidemark was born, and it's on its way again. It's designed for the modern age. It works on a tablet, runs in the cloud, but still, again, it's business analytics and big data. Now, all you have to do is ask Tidemark a question, any question about how their business is performing, like, why isn't this product selling? What happens if we assign three more people to this product? What will our sales be next quarter? Tidemark then answers you with charts and graphs. It'll even name the people in the company who could help with the project. (laughs) Uh, Tidemark's approach, ask a question, is different and it's already attracting attention. It uh, is on track to hit $45 million in revenue this year and is growing at 300% year after year. Gaigi is on his way to another half-billion-dollar company. So that's less than 20 years ago. He's probably up around a billion dollars, started with $26 and couldn't speak English. So all you people are whinging about how hard it is to be successful take note, no one cares. Now, in 90% of instances, to me anyway, Facebook's just a bunch of crap. Useless information and photos that no one except the person posting them really could give a damn about. However, let me tell you a good story. Facebook users spotted something very unusual in a photograph posted on Facebook and ended up saving a little girl's vision. This girl's mother, Tara Taylor, posted a photo of her daughter, three-year-old Riley, on Facebook. A couple of people immediately knew something wasn't right. Her left eye seemed to be glowing. Most people assume the glow was a result of, you know, light bouncing off the camera lens or something. But some people knew better, got in touch immediately after seeing the photo. People told Tara that she might want to have it checked because it could be an issue with her eye. As a result, Riley was diagnosed with Coates' disease when her mum took her to the doctor. Now, Coates is a very rare condition that can cause blindness or partial loss of vision in one or both eyes. But thanks to the power of sharing on Facebook, Riley Taylor was able to get the medical attention she needed and saved her sight. Now, that's a bloody good story. Apart from that, 
and a couple of other examples that are similar, Facebook is a bunch of crap. Something I came across today that was interesting, I thought, you know, we, we used to do programs from time to time, and I think I'll do another one, with great screw-ups. You know, companies who have made huge screw-ups. Well, this is a classic. I found this one today. Um, Adidas. Adidas passed up on the opportunity to sign Michael Jordan in 1984. So he tried to get a sponsorship deal with Adidas, but Adidas said that uh, he was too short. So Jordan at six foot six didn't sign with Adidas, signed with Nike, forming a dominant shoe partnership. And, and Jordan still makes $100 million a year from Nike. So Nike just knocked him back because he was too tall, uh, too short, six foot bloody six. Um, now, when you look at the shoe brands worn by NBA players, Nike has 283 players. Adidas is second with 70. So Adidas, that goes down in my book as another ginormous screw-up by a corporation. Uh, now, we all know companies that have, um, startups have gone out of business and, uh, yeah, it's a disaster for everybody involved, but there really is a pretty good upside. Failed startups spawn lots more startups. So when a startup goes into decline or goes out of business, the entrepreneurial spirit actually multiplies. So it's amazing how many ex-employees of startups have gone on to set up their own businesses. For example... When living social workforce declined in recent years, Alan Clifford and Ian Costello set up the galley. And what's driven this business's success is the all-hands-on-deck mentality that they learnt at Living Social. And they're just a couple of ex-Living Social staffers who set out to apply the experience they gained at Living Social to their own ventures. And so Living Social's actually led to the creation of a number of new generation companies. I think that's great. I love it. Um, the trend for, tendency for startups to give rise to other startups, it's a self-sustaining cycle that excites technology enthusiasts, and I'm not surprised. In Silicon Valley, where high-growth technology companies spin off new ventures all the time, this recycles engineering talent and attracts billions of dollars from the world's biggest venture capitalists. And you get people that have got experience that have been through it all before that know the tricks, that got contacts. I mean, it's a great boon to startups. So after raising hundreds of millions of dollars from investors, Living Social, as you know, sort of died in the arse the last few years. It shrunk from 4,000 employees to less than 1,000. And it's retreated from many countries. So one of the lasting legacies of Living Social are all the companies that have spun off it. So these employees, they, they, they cite a number of ways that working at Living Social has helped them strike out on their own. They range from obtaining, you know, obtaining an inside look at how a company transitions from a small startup to a 
bigger corporation and the challenges that it faces along the way, they also adapt living socials tremendous dissatisfaction with the status quo. And as we know, that's what leads to great startups. They, you know, they just inherently want to do things bigger and better and faster and cheaper than is currently out there. And they also learn how to test ideas and assess quickly the chances of success. And they, and, and they learn how to pivot and move on to something new if the idea doesn't pan out. So all these things are a fantastic benefit to startups. And, uh, you know, you, get, you also get comfortable with the uncertainty and the ambiguity. Um, and and you, learn, you learn to be able to live on the edge and be agile. So living social shrinking, shrinking workforce creates a pool of available workers with experience in online commerce, marketing, business development, engineering, and a whole bunch of disciplines that technology companies desperately need. And it's given, given these ex-staffers a fantastic network of people. So good on you, living social, and... Every other company that's failed, you know that you've done a hell of a lot of good for entrepreneurs. Now, you know, we've been talking for a long time on this program about um, 3D printers and a lot of people still that I talk to about 3D printers at social gathering and things don't quite understand where 3D printers are at. But let me just tell you this one. A team of construction workers at Winsun in China have used a 3D printer to construct houses, full houses, lots of rooms. And in one day, they can build 10. So that was just the start, building houses. In Shanghai, there's a five-story structure that is the world's tallest 3D printed building, five stories high. Next to it is a massive 3D printed mansion, of 12,000 square feet. The walls are comprised of a mix of concrete and recycled waste materials such as glass and steel that is 3D printed. And the technology's now reached a point where large-scale printers are capable of making life-size working creations such as cars. You might remember local motors. It took them less than 48 hours to print a two-seater car and actually drive it off the showroom floor. A system uh, developed at the USC here in Southern California involves a combination of mechanical cranes and 3D layering to print and assemble entire homes simultaneously, complete with all insulation, all indoor plumbing, everything in less than one day. Now, Winsun has announced they've ordered, they have orders for 20,000 houses to be 3D printed. Now, these printers are huge, up to a quarter of the size of a football field. The sheer size of the printer allows for a tenfold increase in production efficiency. Winsun estimates that 3D printing technology can save up to 60% of building materials, shortens production times by up to 70%, 
and decreasing labour costs by up to 80%. So 60% saving on building materials, 70% saving on production time and an 80% reduction in labour costs. So that really cost slashes the costs. I think that is a fantastic step forward in building. I love it. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show from Los Angeles on Voice America Business. We're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you have a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or email you directly. Make sure that you subscribe to my monthly newsletter. It's being sent out to over 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries. It went out uh, about a week ago. You know, out of 16,000 people, we only got three do not subscribes. That's pretty good. So we received a great response to the March newsletter, so make sure that you're down for April. So go on to my website, bobpritchard.com, and uh, subscribe. And I'll be back after this break with um, my guest, Patrick Rettig, who I love him. I saw him speak. He's fantastic. And for 25 years, he successfully saved companies from bankruptcy. This guy is a gem. He's passionate about helping the American entrepreneur, primarily the companies of $20 million and under, who are the backbone of this country. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not that eloquent, but he makes sense. He calls a spade a spade, and he just tells it the way it is, good practical advice that works. And uh, he's not only a great guy, actually, he's a good old school rock and roller musician. Good on you, Patrick. Patrick's very cool, and I'll be back with him straight after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And welcome also to the segment of the show where we interview successful entrepreneurs and other specialists who play a role in solving the issues faced by entrepreneurs along their path to success as we know it's pretty rocky being an entrepreneur and being successful is not easy and uh, we need a lot of help often along the way so we speak to people who are firstly interesting and have something to share with 
all of us entrepreneurs that can help us all become much more successful. And I try to find out what makes these people tick so we can learn from the things that make them successful and from the challenges that they face and we learn how to overcome the challenges that we are more often likely than not to face ourselves. Now for over 25 years, Patrick Redding has successfully saved companies from bankruptcy. So okay, I'm a startup. What the hell that got to do with me? Well, Patrick's passionate about helping the American entrepreneur, primarily the companies, you know, $20 million and under, who are really, as we all know, the backbone of this country, the ones that employ the most people, the ones that uh, drive the most um, financial revenue. And Patrick says it's all about the CEO. So when a company gets in trouble and they call Patrick, he goes directly to the CEO and he believes that if he can get the CEO back on track, then the rest of the company will get back on track as well. Now that makes sense if you've got a strong leader. That makes plenty of sense. And Patrick's instincts are hyper keen. I saw him speak at Metal, which I speak about frequently on this program, and he was brilliant and talks a hell of a lot of common sense. And an enormous number of entrepreneurs need Patrick's advice, not only when they get into trouble, but as a guiding light along the way to stop them getting into trouble. He had some fantastic advice the day that I saw him. And uh, he's got a talent for identifying operational problems, structuring and implementing solutions and restructuring staff and resulting in maximum productivity and efficient financial management. His experience includes companies of all ages, startups, turnarounds and restructured environments. He acts as a strategic planner for the organisation and is an absolute ally to the CEO. And, you know, usually, well, quite, well, not usually, but quite often, CEOs of startups know a hell of a lot about the product or the service that they're developing, but are often not that great in the financial department and particularly in the long-term strategic financial planning department. So... Um, Patrick specialises in this and, and in emergency situations and then reorganisation to get people out of trouble. So if you're struggling financially, Patrick's the sort of guy that can really be your best ally. Hi Patrick, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. How are you? I'm real good, thanks for having me on. Well, let's, let's talk about something really interesting first. Your music career, tell me about that. Well, everything is everything. My music career is career. My music career. Anybody that's in the music business, the music career. That's pretty fun. The music career. <laughs> Who are you kidding here? The music career. Yeah. What are you talking about? Listen, I have played piano and played rock and roll all my life. Good and, uh, man. Yes, sir. And I still continue that today. And on a regular basis, I uh, play at my church and rock and roll the Christians out of their uh, out, out of their, their head, out of their pews. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All the, everybody takes out their hearing aids when I start playing and just starts moving and grooving. But uh, I must say that uh, if you have a heart for rock and roll, yep. you can most definitely run a business. But you uh, you have to have a tough heart 
and a good heart yeah. uh, to, to do both. Uh, as far as my music career goes, I'm sure that my mother loves my stuff. I'm sure that she does. Right. And I'm sure that she always has. As far as the inspiration goes, honestly, I swear to you, if I had stopped playing, I make Jerry Lee Lewis look innocent, okay? Right. I play hard rock and roll. Good and man. I'm a keyboard player. Yep. And uh, if I had stopped doing that, I would not be me. And right. so all those people that are out there and they say, well, you know, I had to grow up. I sold my guitar and, you know, and I, uh, you know, I am uh, sold my motorcycle and I've got an SUV, by golly. Oh, that's okay. And I got so boring. You forget, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you cannot forget where you come from. And, you know, I, I played the streets of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I played up yeah. and down the river. Right. And I played hot and hard rock and roll. And I have that with me today. It's Good. in my heart, in my spirit, it's in my mind. So I must say, if you're an entrepreneur out there, do not forget or trade in who you are because you think you should. I there think, is no think you should, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm one of those people that believes that um, entrepreneurs are born, not made. And anybody who goes out early in their teens or whatever and gets into the rock and roll business and is willing to take the ups and the downs and the kicks and the guts that you get. I was in the rock and roll business for 20 years and uh, back when we still had vinyl. Um, and uh, it was a tough old business then. You never knew where your next buck was coming from. But boy, was it fun! You know, was it? Yeah, you know, was that a kick I, of adrenaline? I, yeah. yeah, it was. Yes, love it. Yeah, and I still load equipment in and out of jobs. Yeah, I still take care of many companies, many families, but I never forget where I came from or what I am. And when I have in my life, when I have had that moment where I perhaps forgot yeah. where I came from or what I did, it wasn't as much fun. And it certainly didn't yield, okay? Yeah, and, you, you know, there's something about when you absolutely love something and live for something, it's amazing how much extra energy you can find. It's amazing how many extra hours you can find in the day and how you really want to put in. Makes a big difference. Very, very good point, man. <laughs> very good point, man. I okay. Gotta say, you're right. So yeah, how, you're do, right. how do CEOs get themselves into financial trouble? I mean, apart from spending more money than they fucking get in. <laughs> How do they ah, get themselves into trouble? They get tired. They, they get tired. They're doing everything that they can do, and they get tired. And uh, because they get tired, they make mistakes. They make mistakes they wouldn't normally make. Right. And uh, they perhaps uh, give the authority to someone else. That is a big one. Sometimes, as you know, all of... Uh, you know, I would say the hardest... The most common denominator is CEOs and small businesses wear a lot of hats and they get tired and there really yeah. isn't anyone that they can depend on. That's right. And, um, and that is um, a very interesting point because I can tell people all day to get somebody in there to help them, but if, unless they're very discerning, and I use that word discerning about who they ally up with, they can yeah. cause a lot of problems, you know, cause a lot of problems. So uh, when you decide to bring on someone to help you. You must train them and they must do what you have done. Now, many people say, well, look, I bring some new ideas to the table. All that's good as long as whatever made money in the first place is the cornerstone of the training. Okay? Right. Do you think it's because 
entrepreneurs have to wear a lot of hats for a whole bunch of reasons. They don't have the money to employ specialist people and a whole bunch of other things. And probably if you made a list of all of the activities that a um, an entrepreneur had to do during running his business, um, financial management would be right down at the bottom of the pile and probably have absolutely no interest whatsoever in it. Is that true? Well, um, an entrepreneur has a vision. Yep. And they're crazy people. They do not know that they can fail. That's why I love my job. Yeah, I, I love my job. Yep. They do not know that they can fail. And so um, let me run down the list of, of uh, troubles that, that they, first of all, of course, they, they ally with the wrong people. Right. Um, I'm not saying that uh, people don't have all good intentions. They do. But an entrepreneur has the vision and he has the energy to do that. And by historical evidence, he looks back and, and says, I made X amount of money doing what, uh, doing what I wanted to do. Now, he makes the next big mistake. He says, if I can make four of these babies and make some money on four of these hot rods, how about I make eight of them or ten of them right. or fifteen? Okay? Now, he doesn't know anything about cost of goods and services, and they go through the roof, yep. and it requires him to get a bank loan. And when he gets a bank loan, he gets a line of credit against his house, and then he gets a charge card with that. And before you know it, you have charged yourself up to the moon, and you can't catch up. Now, that is um, the beginning. The next part is you start working to get more business, to achieve the goal. Four, eight, 10, 15, we'll deliver 20. Suddenly, you cannot deliver that much. Number one, you have hit diminishing returns of your mind. First of all, the man can't cover all of that in his mind. He can't figure out how to do all of it without becoming exhausted. I mean, we have to realize that we are made Yep. out of uh, flesh and blood. Yep. Okay, so number one, he hits the diminishing returns emotionally and psychologically. But financially, you run out of money because you cannot collect receivable as fast as you're spending money. Yep, that's true. Okay, now you, then you're facing bankruptcy, and if you can't find someone like me or me, the navigational charts of a Chapter 11 bankruptcy are very are are very good. A uh, Chapter Eleven bankruptcy is a very powerful tool for an entrepreneur right. because it straightens them out. It straightens them out, and, and if he survives it, he learns how to run a business correctly. But right. if you can't find a me, and you get into a bankruptcy, you'll just repeat uh, uh, your your sort of bad ways, and uh, you'll end up uh, not in a good place. So, if I had to uh, say one of two things, which one would be the worst? Uh, between greed and just exhaustion, I don't know which one's worse. So this is what I would say to entrepreneurs that are out there right now. If you're making enough money to make a living, you're a rich man. If you have a dollar left at the end of the day, one dollar, one dollar, my brothers, one dollar. If you have paid yourself, paid your taxes, paid your people, you have delivered product, and you're in a car that has gasoline in the tank, you are a rich man. Jeez, I'm rich. I've, thinking, never thought, I've never thought of myself as being rich, but I've probably got a dollar left at the end of the day. <laughs> dude, we, we are on our way to dinner. We are on our way to dinner. <laughs> I must say that people decide that they, they invent a bar it's out there in the, the mystics of space. 
Yeah. And they say, if I hit that bar, I'm successful. If I hit this bar, I'm successful. If I hit that bar. But having said that, everybody understands what I'm saying. Here's the next set of drama that goes with a CEO. A lot of pressure comes with a CEO. Now, I believe that stress is a motivator. When I get up in the morning, I've got about 25 companies that I'm responsible for, and i got them on my mind 15 minutes before I wake up, my brain is on. Right. And I want to get up and I want to get busy doing the things that I know need to be done. That brings me to a list. The list of the CEOs. Yeah, Brad? Can I just go back and say, as stress is a motivator to you, but is that a motivator to you because... You know what the hell you're doing. You know, you get up in the morning and you know that I, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to get this result for Fred. And I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to get this result for Bill. But if you're Bill or Fred, and you're under the pressure of this stress, and you're not quite sure what the hell to do, surely stress in that case is an absolute demotivator that will sink you quicker than anything else, won't it? All right, let's break it up into two things. Let's break it up into fear and caution. Okay. Stress with fear. Fear is without knowledge. They get right. it confused. People put fear and caution together all the time. Caution is with information. You have information. You know what to do. You know where to be careful and where to make a move. Right. Fear is without information. And CEOs that get up with stress because of fear, they haven't found the correct information to do. Okay? Do, now, I, I can speak... Yeah, doesn't that depend on your personality a bit? I mean, if I ran into a grizzly bear in the middle of the fucking forest somewhere, you know, I might know what to do, but I'd be scared shitless. Scared. And by the way, scared is okay. Scared okay. will get your adrenaline going. Scared will get your adrenaline going. What I'm saying is, is people get out there and they don't find correct information. They find oh. incorrect information. They go to an attorney, and the yep. attorney gives them nothing Nothing wrong with an attorney. An attorney gives you legal advice, okay? Yeah. Attorneys are, um, I always think that attorneys are dream takers, you know, dude, a bit like accountants, dude, dream takers. Dude, they have a way of thinking, and then a CPA has a way of thinking, yep. right? Negative. Okay, I, I must tell you this. An entrepreneur can only discover what to do from another entrepreneur who has done it. Yeah, I agree. And you, you must go to the place where people have done it. Yeah. Not, not a scribe, like a CPA is after the fact. This is what happens when people do this. This is what happens when people do that. Uh, a lawyer is, by law, we can fight this or fight. I don't want to fight anything. I want to navigate through difficult waters. Yep. And prevail. Okay, now, now, I think we all understand that. Now, what's the downfall? I mean, the incredible downfall of CEOs. The stress comes on, and rather than finding the information, they go to the lawyer first, he drains them of whatever money he's got, they had left. He goes to the CPA, he's got a bill from the CPA, the CPA says the IRS is after, the, the uh, EDD is that sales tax. The guy has no one to talk to, and now we come to what I refer to as the four headless horsemen. All right, you ready for this one? The only, uh, I am the ready. Only guy that could, the only guy that could come up with this stuff is somebody that came out of rock and roll. And these four headless horsemen, I call them alcohol, drugs, sex, and gambling. And they turn to those things, and that is the end of the company. It's the end of the company. Now, let's talk about, we all know about uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We all know about that, but let's talk about gambling for a minute. 
Gambling is not necessarily going to uh, Las Vegas and rolling it all on red. That's not what it's about. Right. Gambling is putting your charge card down for payroll when you don't know how you're going to collect. When you ha- instead of collecting a receivable, you put your charge card down at uh, 18% right. for payroll. You put your house against another set of payroll. You put your house until finally you're, you have risked your life instead of getting back in the box. Instead of getting back in the box. Now, you can't fight, uh, you can't fight drugs and alcohol. I mean, either you quit it or you don't. You know, you either quit it or you don't. You know, it's up to the guy. Either he quits it or he doesn't. As far as, uh, the wrong relationship, you either quit it or you don't. If you don't, you pay the price. You pay the price. Gambling's a sneaky little bitch, I tell (laughs) you. And you can, and, and it comes up your backside. You know, you can gamble with with uh, with your wife's credit card. Why? When if you have a business, if anyone's listening to me out there that is in trouble, I want you to know that no matter what you've done, I fixed it. No matter what you've done, I've heard about it. No matter what you've done, I've solved it. I've hit it head on. But here's the key: you cannot do it by yourself. Yeah, I agree with you that. You cannot do it by yourself. You must have a qualified individual standing by you who has done it not one or two times in their life. But I swear to you, like last Thursday would be good. Don't stand with people that have theories and generalities. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't go to a person that says, I think I would try this. The guy that you want to talk to said, this is what I did, and that's why I'm here to tell you today with a new car, my house is caught up in my... Mrs. loves me. And by the way, when I go home, I get to sleep in the same room. <laughs> that's the guy, that's the guy you want to talk to. That's the guy you want to talk to. So do most people get, most CEOs get themselves into trouble gambling, if you like, with their credit cards to pay staff because they feel that they need the staff to keep the company going, which they do. The staff have been with him, with them for X number of time and they feel loyalty to the staff and so they're prepared to keep putting up their credit card to pay staff on the you know just on the prayer that something's going to turn around yes that is one way but overall yes I mean you're, you're I mean you're singing my tune I know it, I, I know that tune I, go, I hear it in every corporation that I walk into however um, you know they're overwhelmed it comes down to they're overwhelmed If there was ever something out there that is not authentic, it's called bookkeepers. Everybody (laughs) seems to know, think that they are a bookkeeper, okay? (laughs) And everybody's wife, cousin, uncle, you know, somebody is a bookkeeper. And then there's the worst. Uh, They're a controller. A controller. Okay, a freaking controller. Really? Okay, they can add, subtract, multiply, no. No, no, no. A controller understands money understands cash flow. A controller can navigate creditors. A controller can make a business plan that makes sense to a CEO. A bookkeeper gives accurate numbers and understands the programs of QuickBooks and Intuit and everything else. Right. But the reason that our man always gets way messed up is because he doesn't really know where he is. Let me give you an example. He doesn't really know. He's got bookkeepers that are like, well, you know, we had, and we think, and if you get, and I, we're supposed to have, and if you did, and I don't know. And he doesn't know what to do. He throws down his charge card because he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't have a navigator. Okay, right. bookkeepers are a... 
I, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, I go, the first place I go is into the office of the controller. And I say the following thing. How much money is in the bank? And they say, well, you know, in our receivables and our AP and our AO and our WQ and our Z, I'm like, how much money is in the bank right now? Well, after the checks clear, before the checks clear, ah, ah, right now, how much money is in the bank? Okay, I cannot get a straight answer out of anybody when I first go into a company, and there is no company exclusive here. Every yeah. company I've walked in the last 20 years, I've said, how much money is in the bank? And I get a lot of, uh, ah, e, oh, now, do I fault them? I do not, and I'll tell you why. I have a job today because people are willing to take the risk to do something they want to do without any information or any support. That's a crazy person that I want to know. Okay. I went out I went out at 13 years old and played the bars, drug equipment all over town, and played rock and roll anywhere I wanted to, and I paid the price, and I lived through it, I survived it, and I understand that if I want to live this life, I have to apply myself. And when people say, you know what, I think that's a bad idea, it's not necessarily a bad idea. I agree. So, okay, so an entrepreneur, without an entrepreneur, we would have no America. And I love America, yeah. and I love apple pie, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, democracy, and in God we trust. However, <laughs> us crazy people out there, we always, 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 we always, always, always take one step off the yellow brick road just to see if we can. And that leads to another step into the black forest, and we find ourselves encumbered by money. We find ourselves lost in the black forest, wiped out, tired, or um, some really bad things are lawsuits. Lately, I've bumped into a lot of lawsuits, and uh, that is another downfall of CEOs. I'll tell you why on that, brother. Everybody wants to fight. I was not wrong. I will fight them to the death. That I was not wrong. I have been wrong. I am a victim, blah, blah. You know how much it costs to be a victim? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just settle. You I know, like, know. I find out, I find out which are, you know what, some of the funniest things I've ever done, like, I've had, I've had a client just recently tell me, this person's worked for me for three years and they want a raise and I'm not giving them a raise. I really need them. I, I'm not giving them a raise. You know, they want a raise and I'm like, how much do they want? Well, I, I don't know how much they want. I go, well, did you ask them how much they want? No, I, I'm not asking them. I'm not giving them a raise. I can't. I'm not giving them a raise. I asked, excuse me, um, Mr. Employee, uh, how much would you want? Well, I was thinking that I could make, you know, maybe, you know, if you could up me 50, 60 cents an hour, I'd be happy. Thank you. Okay. If you don't ask what people want, we get this resentment going. Resentment costs a lot of money. The yep. guy quits. You know, he gets in an argument. You say the wrong thing. Suddenly, you have, you know, you have a lawsuit. But what is worse is when a company gets sued, the money should not be spent in fighting. It should be spent in settling. What is it that you want? You must protect your company. And uh, people say, but, you know, my, my word of honor is at stake here. Look, at the end of the day, what's at stake here is dinner company. for the family. Yeah, yep. your company, dinner for the family, the house payments, you know, and some shoes for the kids. Really, you know? Yep, I agree. That, that's what's important. So you go, you go into a company, somebody calls you and says, hey, I'm in a bit of shit here. Um, so you go in, how do you, do you, how do you work with the CEO? Do you say, you know, you've got to get rid of some of these bills, are you going to renegotiate your 
bank card or whatever. Now, do you sort of set the plan and get them to do it, or do you do it, or what do you do and what do they have to do to get themselves out of trouble? I tell them, if you do everything I say, you're going to get out of trouble. I get everybody out of trouble that I work with, but you're going to do everything I say, you can't go shopping. Right. You can't do three out of five, two out of five, six out of ten. You've got to do everything I tell you in order, and you'll get out of trouble. If you stay out of trouble, that's the measure of the man. Because everybody gets out of trouble because they're afraid, right? Right. They're afraid and they want to get out of trouble. Okay. I also ask them a few very critical questions that have nothing to do with money. I say, do you want your company more than anything else? And if they say, yeah, I mean, everybody told me to quit, and I can't, and the bank won't, and nobody wants, and I can't get any support, and my, my wife says, and mm, you know, the lawyer, and the IRS agent came in, and nobody wants, but I want it. That's my guy. If he says, well, I'd like to sell it. Not my guy. Yeah. Now, generally, the people that say, I want to sell it, they're always, you know, ridiculously out of their minds. They say, and I always say, just for fun, how much do you want to sell it for, right? They're covered yeah. up to their eyeballs. They don't have any income, and they want to sell it for $200 billion, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've met a million okay. of them. All right, right, right. Okay, so I say, do you want your company? He says, yeah, I want my company more than anything else. You know, I love my wife, but I am my company, man. And without my company, you know, what am I? What am I? That's my guy. Okay, that's one. Two... Two, two, I say, can you admit that you're an idiot? <laughs> and, I, and he says, what do you mean? I go, look, I'm an idiot, and I got this job. So whatever heaven's doing up there, they must feel kind of lighthearted about idiots. So if you can say to yourself, I'm an idiot, you can learn something. But if you <laughs> tell me that you're a victim here today, and you did everything right, and it all went to hell, there's nothing I can do for you. And he will say, I... I'm an idiot. That's my guy. That's my guy. Now, okay, in case you hear a train, yeah, there's a train going by here. I'm yeah, not getting ready to leave anywhere. So, what, apart from um, finances, what other business, what other areas of the business do you, do you work in? Everything is everything. So everything ev- is everything. Everything from everything front door to back door. Yes, and that includes their personal lives, everything. Everything is everything. If they're goofing off their, in their personal lives, Nothing's going to happen good in the company. If they're goofing off in their company, nothing's going to happen in the family. I got to put everything back together. And nobody's happy with my, I mean, for me, the CEO's a rock star, man. And yep. so I got to tell him, I got to tell him, look, if we're going to play this set well, we got to go back to our core customers. Get back to your core customers. The people that were there before you got to be such a hot shot, you know, like yep. such a big wig. You got so big for your bridges that you forgot about the people that got you here. They laughed. That's my guy, man. If they laugh, that's my guy. So we get back to core customers. We say things like, Hi, Bob. Uh, I know I haven't called in a long time. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It is three years. Yeah, I was wondering if we might be able to put our patch things up a little bit. And Yeah, I know I'm an asshole. And I, yeah, I know, Bob. Yeah, I, uh, well, I know. And I was wondering if we might be able to do a little business and see if we can get kind of back on track. Uh, yeah, I know. You heard I'm going down. Uh, yeah, I know. I uh, yeah, I know, and I, uh, Bob, are you going to give me any business or not? I'm trying, I'm crawling up, I'm crawling here, you know, and you know what, core customers, Bob says, yeah, I just wanted to tell you how I felt about it, and I didn't like it that you left me out in the cold, and you didn't call me anymore, you didn't take care, we call the core customers, say, we're sorry for being, for you know, impersonating a big shot, and yep. we'd like to get back to business. We yep. get back to core customers, we get back to a stream of receivables. We stay inside of that stream.
stream of receivables plus $1. We go to the worst creditor there is, and we say, we're sorry. We got in over our heads. And we start there. Now, for the most part, a creditor will listen once or twice. Unfortunately, by the time I've got there, they've listened five <laughs> yeah. or six times, and they don't like a guy. Right? They don't like. But I say, look, I'm the new guy. Yeah. This is what I do. Look me up. Look me up. This is what I do. And so, as long as I'm driving here, um, I think we got We can do a deal, and I'll tell you what I think we can pay. And they say that's not enough. This never happened. And I say. I know it's not enough, but let me get started here. Because if you let this guy go out of business, nobody's going to get anything until yeah. we start there. Now, I know it sounds very simple, and everybody's saying, well, I did that. No, they didn't do that, or they wouldn't be calling me, right? Yeah. I'm still with you, man. What else no, you got? Okay, okay. Um, last question. Why would a CEO hire when they've got no ability to pay? Oh. Well, everybody asks me that question, right? Uh when I get there, a company has to have some business or some hope for business, okay? Yep. And the way that I have made my living is I have believed in what seems to be losers. I've believed in people that nobody believes in anymore, right. okay? Yep. And I take, I take a little bit of money. I make sure they've got some receivables. And I take enough money that they'll listen to me, but it won't hurt the company. And I work for as many companies as I can. And I make sure that the guy understands if I'm going to work there, you have to pay me and yourself first so that you feel guilty about everything else. Because when people don't pay themselves, they feel like they're off the hook. Right. They feel like, well, I didn't pay myself. So it's not okay. You pay yourself first. You take it home to your wife. I take a little bit. And we go back to work. And, and believe me, when they pay themselves, they get to work the next day a couple of minutes early. They get to yep. work. So... Every company that I take, I profile them before I take them, and I give them two weeks for free. Right. And uh, and uh, in those two weeks, I find out if they're going to do what I, I find out if they're going to do what I ask, and I find out if they're telling me the truth. Right. And um and we start there, but every company I take has the opportunity to make money. It's not like they're telling me, I made one cement slinky one time. It was a cement slinky. I know it doesn't sound fun, but I sold one. I made 800% profit. How many did you sell? Well, I only sold one. That's not <laughs> the companies I go for. Okay, the companies I go for, they've been in business a long time. They just got in over their heads. Okay, do you take a piece going forward? Never. Never. Yes, it's, their dream. It's, their, it's, it's their dream, not mine. You know? It's their okay. dream, not mine. Patrick? Thank you very much for being on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I loved you when you presented a medal. I thought you, you know, you talk really down to earth common sense, which is pretty lacking with a lot of entrepreneurs these days. Um, but I talk to entrepreneurs every day, and I can relate to everything you said. Now, if you'd like to know more about Patrick or your business needs some help, go to therettigcorporation.com. That's T H E. R-E-T-T-I-G corporation.com You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business and I'll be back in just a moment. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business show. Coming to you live from Los Angeles. Uh, immediately after the show, I'm off to Hollywood for the film premiere of Kill Me Three Times. I'm really looking forward to it. Don't you just love Patrick Reddick? He is so down to earth, so cool, talks so much sense, and uh, he just saves a million businesses. It's, um, it's fantastic. Now, I started this a couple of weeks ago, and I've been sort of progressing along slowly, but this is an extraordinary statistic. 90% of the total world's data was created in just the last 12 months. <coughs> you know, smartphones, smart cars, Internet of Things, wearables create trillions of customer interactions, giving stacks and stacks and stacks of data to manufacturers. This, now, this suggests that you, people should be getting better and better and better service because they know more about you. But... Despite that, 70% of, 77% of customers don't feel connected to the brands that they use. And if businesses don't improve, customers will rapidly feel disconnected and will switch over to a competitor. But cust- uh, businesses who do nail engagement with the customers, I mean, they really win. They not only win because they get a whole truckload more revenue, but they win because they create brand event evangelists. So to be successful, you have to put the customers at the center of absolutely everything you do. You need to pay attention to your community. Then you need to access information and make smart decisions with it. And then build applications so you can inform and enlighten your customers. Now, there are six things that are going to impact the future of business. The first is the sales revolution. By 2017, there will be 5 billion smartphones. This is going to change the way everybody sells. So data-driven sales processes will open up conversations and the opportunity to create stronger customer relationships than have ever, ever existed before. The second element critical to the future of business is the service revolution. Now, 70% of buying experiences are based on service. So if you look at a company like Bird's Shoes of Prey, which manufactures women's shoes on demand, they're nailing this. So companies that have a great product roadmap, a great customer service roadmap, working side by sides, will win. It's not good enough to have the best product. That doesn't matter a damn. Connected devices and engaged companies drive customer service. It's no longer optional. You've got to nail this. If you've got the best product and only okay service, you will not win. The third determinant is the marketing revolution. You've got to create one-on-one customer journeys. You need to create an engagement layer that gets customers excited. You know, lasting loyal relationships are the types of relationships that you have to be striving for with every customer. The fourth element critical to the future of business 
is the community's revolution. You know, we used to have brand communities where everybody that supported or loved one thing would get into a brand community and they'd all um, reinforce each other. Organisations are engaging with people in a whole new and totally different way than ever before. So if you can create a community around your product and what you care about, then you're going to get awesome results. The ARU, for example, is doing just this. Their new platform, Rugby Link, powered by Salesforce, is putting fans and players in an online forum to talk, exchange ideas, and make the experience much more real and visceral. The fifth element is the apps revolution. Every company is rapidly becoming a cloud company. Now even the tiniest of businesses can build apps fast to accelerate their success. Apps can be built for a company's consumers, for retailers, for suppliers, for everybody, creating an entire app ecosystem around their business and what they do. Software is running the world. And the final element is the data revolution. If 90% of data in the world was created in the past year, what's going to happen in the next year or in 10 years? It is going to be extraordinary. How much information will businesses be able to process so we can make better decisions? Soon, we'll be able to leverage data in a way that will increase our productivity, make our communities more effective, make our lives more enriched. It's a new world we're moving into where all the data at our fingertips will inform the decisions that we make for the rest of our lives. It'll allow us to know our customers better than ever before. And we're also going to have geofencing. We're going to know where our customers are at every minute. We're going to be able to tie in with payment systems and, and with um, retail databases and we'll know what they're buying, where they're buying it, how they're buying it, how much money they're paying for it, right at the very second they're buying it. That'll make sales much easier and be able to communicate with our customers much better. So if you're a regular listener to the show and you're benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please, please, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and please become a contact of mine on LinkedIn and get in touch. Let me know what you've got happening. Let me know how I can help you. And then how you can help me, perhaps. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. And remember, it is much easier to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have an absolutely fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.